of victory in the build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Unbelievable kick from Maria. Hello and welcome to the Oz Football Hour here on FNR Football Nation Radio. I'm Josh Parrish. I've got Jason Goldsmith back with me this week after his sojourn to uh, Jamboree and to Sydney for the Socceroos match. How are you, Jason? I'm good, Josh. Nice to be back in uh, dry Melbourne after a week <laughs> of uh, wet weather up uh, up north. Well. It seems we've got the edge on them in terms of weather as well, so I don't know why you left the state, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know. No one's making jokes about Melbourne's weather, funnily enough, from the, for our northern neighbours. It's good to be back. So we're going to dissect the Socceroos' defeat to Japan, of course. We're going to talk about the Football Riders Festival you were at and the A-League as well. Uh, but first, it's uh, over to sunny Broadmeadows, where we've got the head coach of Hume City FC, Nick Hegarty, standing by. Uh, Nick, welcome to the show. Good evening, and thank you for having us on. Well, we're delighted to have you because it's all in aid of a very, very good cause. Uh, do you want to tell us about your player, Danny Dixon, and, and what has befallen him in uh, in preseason this year? Yes, I suppose the Knights um, are kind of a Hume City hat off in terms of what we're kind of putting on over the weekend. Um, but in terms of uh, the start of the season was a bit different from others with... Um, a meeting that turned into, I think I might have cancer, um, following um, a surgery which uh, kind of proved the fact. Um, and again, the uh, the ability of taking somebody through that that story and not wanting really anybody to know to then getting into the, the place where we can try and raise awareness for everybody else going through the same thing has been a, an interesting thing to kind of, in a very small part, I would imagine, from my own side, guiding through. Uh, but that's where we're at now. He's in a, in a in a good place, fit and healthy, as best he can be, um, and looking to kind of spread the word and, and help other people who might be going through the same thing. Well, I mean, that's what the amazing thing is to me, that he's he's thinking beyond you know himself and his own treatment right now about others who might be affected and might be saved from um, you know serious consequences. So it's he's teammates who've put this together i understand hayden Tennant, yourself behind this and you're actually going ahead with a with a charity match this weekend to to raise funds for the dylan tom Beatty's foundation yeah that's it i think once kind of dicko had got into a position where he was kind of comfortable with everything that was going on and there was no doubt in his mind mind he wanted to kind of raise awareness um, and being from perth himself um the the dt38 foundation is um, something that he was kind of very aware of and had people very kind of connected to it. So straight away, they were in touch with each other. Um, and then it was just the the idea that sprung to mind. And it's been a, a very quick, probably month turnaround to, to being able to put on a game. Um, everybody's kind of got involved in it from ourselves to the PFA, to the DT38 Foundation. The club have been massively generous in terms of donating the facility and putting... Um, all the um, profits of the day towards it. So, um, again, there's been no end of kind of help and people who want to get involved, which is fantastic. And these kind of sad events often tend to be kind of positives in terms of bringing the, 
the communities together and, and making people think about sometimes what's a bit more important. Now, Nick, I noticed there's a, a goal of $20,000 on a GoFundMe page uh, to be raised. Can you tell me what sort of fundraising activities will be involved in the charity match, cost to get in, that kind of thing? Yeah, so we're the to get in, it's, it's just going to be a, a pay-as-you-feel. Um, so the, the day will be whatever you want to contribute to get in, whether that's 50 cent or 500 bucks. It's, it's completely up to the people coming in, which would be, be great. We've been running a, a decent raffle. Um throughout the last few weeks which will still be the tickets on sale for the day which has some great prizes donated by a lot of fantastic people um diamante shirts a-league shirts tickets for comedy festivals uh, tvs it's endless i probably can't remember half the stuff that's going on but um it'd be worth it plus um we've got a few good activities in terms of people contributing haircuts and and head shaves and um ice creams and food as well for the day so There'll be plenty of stuff to go, as well as hopefully a, a pretty exciting football match. Well, on that note, we're delighted to announce that FNR will be live streaming the match for everybody who can't make it on the FNR Football Nation Radio Facebook page, YouTube and Twitch. Uh, and we'll put a donate link in the description for everybody watching at home who wants to contribute in some way but can't make it down on the day. Tell us about some of the uh, people who's going to be participating in this match. Yeah, so I think right now we're over 30 players, um, some top NPL talent as well as um, people who Dicko's played with for over the years in Victoria. Plus, we've managed to get a, a few names from um, kind of the ex-pro A-League and overseas scene who are around. So, um, obviously, Erson Gullum is a good friend of the clubs mm. coming down, Ben Kefala, uh Brendan Santalab, uh, Thomas Sorensen is going to be there even a bit more experience in terms of Alan Davidson's going to be um, playing, which is, uh, he's probably the only one who's probably in the next level of age bracket. So mm-hmm. he'd probably be fitter than all of us, I guess. <laughs> he looks, he um, still looks fit enough. Yeah. Um, Zappers is going to don the boots as well. Um, plus a few more, um, again, people who've played a fair few, Cam Watson, Mahazi. There's, again, there's a big chunk of players um, that should be uh, worth coming down to, to see how we fare and, I don't know if, if it really needs must, then I might put a pair of boots on if it gets that desperate. Well, you've just taken my uh, my next question, uh, Nick. Two-time uh, FV gold medalist, so we wouldn't mind seeing you in action as well. How are you going to split the teams up? Is it uh, two captains picking it like the schoolyard, or is there a th- theme? Going? <laughs> there'll be uh, there'll be a split before it happens. I don't know if we'd uh, manage to get through that um, in terms of who's going to be last pick. There might be a few troubles there. Um, <laughs> But we've got, and then also we've got someone, um, we've got a guy coming down who was on The Bachelor, uh, Kieran Stott, um, and uh, Antony Topic, who's a boxing promoter as well. Plenty of followers on the social media world, which will add a bit of spice to the occasion, I think. So, I don't know, we'll, we'll see how we go. Um, if I can help it, I won't be putting the boots on, and I might try and stay away from picking the teams too. Well, it's a 2pm kickoff over at ABD Stadium in Broadmeadows. When should people get down there for the pre-match festivities and the fundraising activities that are going on? Yeah, so we've kind of scheduled the whole day for a kind of 12 to 5 experience. So um, there'll be stuff kind of kicking off from from 12 onwards. Uh, We hope to have kind of five or six um, special cars there, just like collector cars. There'll be free haircuts going around, uh, some live music and, and stuff like that. So the game will come around quick. Obviously, the access to the players and, and seeing them warm up and stuff is going to be good. 
Um, so yeah, just leading up to a normal game, I guess, a couple of hours before. Uh, hopefully the the game will be good. The raffle will be drawn at half time, which will hopefully not last longer than fifteen minutes. But there's that many prizes. Who knows? We might have to delay the second half. Um, but other than that, yeah, that's that's going to be the day. Fingers crossed the weather stays good, which is looking that way. Um, and then we'll be on. Well, it's all in aid of the DT38 Foundation, which was set up uh, to honour the memory of Dylan Tom Beattie's very talented young Australian striker who starred uh, at an international youth tournament and played for the West Ham Academy before he tragically lost his life to testicular cancer. We're thinking of Danny Dixon at the moment and the struggle that he's going through, but he's thinking of others, and that's so, so um, incredible. So we're going to be posting that link all over our socials. We're going to be live streaming this game at 2 p.m. on Sunday if you can't make it. We really do encourage all of our listeners and viewers to get on down to ABD Stadium for the festivities, starting at 12 p.m. through to 5 p.m. for this charity match. Nick Hegarty, you've got a cup game to get through, so we'll let you go. But uh, thank you so much for giving us your time. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Beautiful, guys. Thanks for having us and thanks for the support. Absolutely. Our pleasure. Nick Hegarty, head coach of uh, Hume City here, representing DT38 and Danny Dixon, uh, one of his players, beloved player um, in the MPL Victoria, who's, uh, who's... going through a tough time. Um, Jason, I know you've got some uh, experience with DT38 as well. Yeah, they've picked a, a great charity and it's the power of football, I guess, that can do something. Say with Dylan Tombides, it was a misdiagnosis that caused uh, his mm. cancer to spread. And if it had it been diagnosed correctly, he would have probably been leading the line for the Socceroos last Thursday. Such was his talent. He played one league cup game for West Ham as an 18-and-a-half-year-old and was earmarked to go on to do great things. But uh, his family are carrying on his name West Ham are carrying on his name as well and doing a tremendous job. And uh, hopefully they can raise some money for, for Danny Dixon's cause as well. So it's a, a great incentive that Nick's, uh, Nick's doing. Well, um, shout out to, to Tracy Tombides, who's been on the station before. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done an interview with her, which was very emotional and um, incredible. Um, so we just want this day to be a, a huge success. So we're more than happy to... Uh, to volunteer the FNR airwaves for the cause. Uh, We're going to take a short break. We've got Socceroos versus Japan chat coming up next, uh, so stick around. Victory looking to build. Barbaroussis is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbaroussis! Wow! And Diamante again! Well, we've been flagging it on this show for quite some time, but Socceroos path to automatic qualification was still a mathematical possibility, I should say, coming into that game against Japan on Thursday night. It was a must win, and Graham Arnold's men simply did not do what they had to on the night. 2-0 it finished to the visiting Japanese with uh, two late goals after a pretty uh, dominant performance by the Samurai Blue. I'm Josh Parrish. I've got Jason Goldsmith here with me, uh, who was actually at the game in Sydney. Jason, it was horrible weather. We've established that already. Uh, But it was a pretty horrible spectacle on the pitch as well. It it was. And, you know, the 2-0 result is not unexpected. Like We've been talking about it for a while. Um, But just, you know, the the dying stages of the game was like we... it would have been a bit of a robbery if we had a pinched even a point, I would have thought, in that mm. game. But, um, 
You know, they say a week's a long time in football. Two weeks ago, we were talking about Bruno Fornaroli in the squad and having a laugh about it. And, and here we are. He's probably going to play tomorrow morning. The other thing with the weather too, very quickly, I think it's quite strange um, that umbrellas are allowed in the stadium in, in Sydney. So I was uh, sitting in the rain and managed to... Uh, uh, there was a few spots back, so further back I went uh, under the drip line and had a dry view of the 90 minutes, although, you know, I don't know if, there, if it was rain or tears or anything like that. <laughs> it was it was still wet and just unfortunate, I guess. We we kind of expected it with the outs. Japan were clearly dominant and um, 2-0 is probably a fitting result. Mm. Well, let's go through the, the selection first of all. We know how many injury problems and COVID cases and close contacts the Socceroos were dealing with. Yeah. But going with a midfield double pivot mm-hmm. of debutante, yes. Johnny Stensness, yep. and the pretty inexperienced Connor Metcalf, seemed like a gamble that didn't quite pay off for Graham Arnold. No. And just has Stensness backed the wrong horse? Like, <laughs> will, will New Zealand make the World Cup? Like, it's a fair point. New Zealand beat the Solomon Islands this week. And then I think they're up against the fourth-place CONCACAF team. Mm-hmm. So New Zealand are actually in a better position than we are with their, their playoff aspirations. No, it's a, a very um, interesting game to, to throw a, a debut cap to because you're playing one of the better technical teams in our group. You're playing in very, very poor conditions and you want the midfield to gel and you're going with like three caps. I think if you're looking at someone's paying, playing regularly in, in good conditions, we might have looked to go... Jimmy Jago, Danny John Ray. Um, but we went with Stensness and we went with Metcalf and they seemed to struggle. The thing about it, a 2-0 result, like uh, uh, they, they joked about it, but the crossbar was our best player in the first half. We were extremely lucky not to be three or four nil down at halftime, you know. So they, they, were, they were very unlucky, the Japanese. And then we had mm. a few chances without, you know, makeshift attack. I call it makeshift attack, but it's probably going to be, you know, that way, uh, that way tomorrow as well. If um, we're sticking to to Duke and that kind of thing, so look, it just it the, we we expected it. We've spoken about it for a long time. We expected that result, but you still feel flat, like a proper mm. Socceroos supporter. You still feel very flat, and then the the outrage for the day comes about, you know, on social media and the rest of it. And what happens from now? Now they're talking that Arnie's going to get the chop after tomorrow's game if the or the Saudi game after, depending on the result, if they get flogged, that he might uh, he might go. Well, um, that's certainly the the line that's being run in Fairfax today mm-hmm. um, in the age. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I just I just feel as if this, the warning signs were there much earlier. Of course uh, they were. Uh, yeah. Emotionally, you feel it on the day because you still secretly feel like we can pull the iron out of the fire and do it on home soil. Yeah, and it would have been burglary because the the crowd's there, mm. they're into it, they want the win, you know, the support. Active were, were quite mm. good given the conditions. So all of it made for a fairly decent atmosphere even though the, the ground was, you know, I'd say half mm. full, half empty, however you want to look at it. <laughs> um, we'll call it half empty. Um, <laughs> so, you know, those chances that we did have, so Hrustik had a, a free kick that was close and he had a, another long-range shot. He, he put the ball on, on Mitch Duke's head and I think it was Metcalf. Uh, long-range shot that Duke deflected wide. So there are four really sort of good chances, and he kind of thought we're gonna we're gonna steal this. You know, mm. if they keep hitting the woodwork, and we can actually just just pinch one, we might actually get away with the result. But I mean, it would have been it would have been the wrong robbery, res- the wrong result. Mm. Would have been the wrong result. We've been seeing this coming for a while. The best two teams in the group are who we who we played and who we are playing. 
I mean, I just want to re- rewind to the win away in Vietnam where I was continually told I was being too negative to expect anything better because the pitch was terrible and it was very hot. Mm. And I, I, just the warning signs were there. We were playing like rubbish in even games we won. The 11-game winning streak, the yep. world record that so, the soccer is crowed about on, on social media and the press releases so much, was an absolute fugazi. You know, the teams that we were playing against, uh, it's a joke looking back on that now. It is a joke. And I think... Uh, the, our our leaders and our coaches are, are, they they take the press conferences like they're politicians, right? Because everything mm. is rosy and everything's great. We're playing great, was what Arnie told us. We're playing great. We won eleven in a row. It's like who have you won the eleven in a row against? Doesn't quite Chinese count. Taipei. Yeah, you, that's what Nepal. I mean. Yep. So countries that have never nor likely to make World Cups in in any time soon, or even Asian Cups. Let's let's be honest. Hey, they're expanding it to 48 teams. That might be our the, saving the grace Asian as Cup well. Or the World Cup. The World Cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the World Cup. I know. Um, maybe we need some of those cultures that are a bit more frank and direct. Like we talk about the Dutch being so like, mm-hmm. you know, Pim Verbeek saying I'm not picking anyone in the A-League or um, that kind of thing. Maybe we needed some more directness other than painting a rosy picture that's not really rosy. When you fail to get results that you need to qualify and make the top two, that's the problem, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's – um. And the other thing about it as well, we've seen this coming for a long time, but they will they will blame COVID and they've already started that narrative where it's like, oh, I was going to try and develop the youth, but COVID happened and, you know, didn't have our, you know, that's happened to every country, every every qualifying country in the world in the different groups. Trying and to even if we had the first choice team available in this match and pull off a result, an unexpected result, when we couldn't beat Japan away from home yeah. and were very much second best that night as well, Going away to Jeddah to play Saudi Arabia, mm. I mean that's a very tough fixture when, even when we, you're at full are, stretch. Are, so this, the, the games that we, well, we the points that we dropped against China, yes, against Oman, yeah, these so are, draws draw against Saudi, draw it against yep. Saudi Arabia at yep. home when you know had chances to go ahead and then let the control of the match slip in the last twenty five minutes because the soccerers just simply couldn't keep the ball. Like that's. That, that's the glaring thing for me. Missed opportunities earlier in the campaign. The, the Japanese, yeah. the, the game against Japan was a poor performance and completely dominated on our own patch and it is a bit humiliating. It could have been more if Minamino hadn't hit the crossbar so many mm-hmm. times. But it, that's not, we shouldn't have been in this position in the first place. We shouldn't been, have been relying on a result against the best team in the group. Correct, and then, and then, then we had the narrative. Oh, our goal difference is as good as as three points, right? So we had that that line thrown at us as well. The COVID the COVID excuses are coming, um, which is terrible. But if you take, I reckon our midfield, we missed out in our midfield in terms of who was missing. So Tommy Rogic was clearly um, a classy player for us in terms of the last home game against uh, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Made the massive made a massive difference. There was no real creativity there, um, and in terms of attack who was we're missing a lot that's why Bruno I mean, got the call up but they haven't set the world on fire no. like Adam Taggart hasn't you know scored massive major soccer is goals and, and the other options that we were looking at you know and where I think Taggart's the best of a paucity of options when you look at his all-around game and what he does for the team in terms of pressing and bring other players into the game but you're right he hasn't been prolific no and Mitch even Mitch Duke's record like he's playing in the Japanese second division he hasn't scored for nine games or something but he's mm-hmm. leading the line for us right and he had a, he had a one possibly two chances that maybe we needed to throw Bruno Fornaroli in there to get into the game get into the tempo we were picking a 34 year old that's got some ability to create 
um, that maybe we needed him because we looked flat. We didn't look like beating any of these players. Ryan Grant was never going to beat anyone in a one-on-one. Um, Tilio did off the bench. Mm. Falami got like a minute, so you couldn't really tell. And um, and Hrustik's good with a dead ball, but when he tried to take – I mean, you, you were talking off air about him being out of position, but he – Dead ball, he's amazing, and he's going to be mm. a very, very strong socceroo for a long time to come. But um, in those conditions, trying to take on some of the Japanese, he got found out a little bit. I think this this game has provoked, as always, a massive existential crisis about the production line and the cattle and so mm-hmm. forth. And there's many conversations to be had there. But when it comes down to it, Graham Arnold has done less with more when it comes to the talent in the national team yeah. and hasn't given players opportunities at early stages so he could rely on them in this match. Correct. Like Tilio. Yep. He's the prime example of that. Our our one shining light who is not trusted when the chips are down at all. And Jonro falls into that category as well. And even Frustich and, and Jonro in Arnold's mind, because he thinks of everything through this one system and this one prism, mm. they're both number tens. Yeah. Is and that- when you look at what Toulouse do in, in Ligue 2, I've been watching a few of their highlights because I was curious, and they play 4 3 3. And John Rowe is just one of the two eights, tens, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But he he can play with another attacking creative player. You don't have to be wedded to this so, this double pivot all t- at all times. But Graham Arnold has shown no propensity to change the shape, no propensity to include more than one creative midfielder at a team. So God forbid, you know, Aiden Frustich would have some someone to combine with. You saw how frustrated he was at the end of the game. Oh, yeah. He, he was kicking advertising yes. hoardings. Yep. He was booting balls into the stands. And that's born of a frustration of having no help and being the sole player who's presenting between the lines. He was so isolated, playing so high up the pitch as a second striker. At Eintracht Frankfurt... When he does play, he plays mm. as one of the two central midfielders. So he's very versatile and we haven't made the most of his skill set. Yeah, so if he's just picking players to go into the position of his... Mm. Of tactics his, have to his be complement right? the so, players, not correct. the other way around. That's right. You've got to work with what you've got, but he's putting mm. players into what he wants. Square to, to pegs, round like. holes. And, that's, that, and that's, that's why I felt Conor Metcalf was set up to fail in this match. He played poorly, he got substituted yeah. at half-time. But he he wasn't put in a position to succeed, much like Jackson Irvine for the whole campaign being underwhelming, suddenly coming alive against Vietnam because he's given license to bomb on into the box. Metcalf, having just been signed by Sampoli, Jackson Irvine's club, they see a very similar mould of player in him. And that's where you get the best out of Connor Metcalf is when he's in a more advanced role, using his physical attributes to make those third-man runs. And if he's playing as one of these deep midfielders who are given no license to go forward and roam... He's totally neutered as a footballer. It's it's interesting, Josh. So tomorrow's um, technically a dead rubber. The Saudi mm-hmm. game's a dead rubber. Arnie's been told, or Arnie has told us, he's going to play the kids, right? Mm. So within the squad, that would that you would think that means that uh, John Roo gets the play. Um, Nathaniel Atkinson will get his first cap. Sure. You'd think Nick D'Agostino might get his first cap. If he's fit, yeah. Falami will get more minutes. Right, so if he plays the kids, that's who's in the squad. Connor Metcalf has to play again because you want to get more game time or get him more caps. But if he plays the kids and they get and they get flogged, they get thumped. Right, mm. his job's in in major major trouble. Right, so from self preservation mode, what does he do? Does he play the kids like he said, or does he go into his normal formation because he wants to hold on and take him to the playoff? Because as 
Robbie Slater says, "Well, Ange took us to a playoff. You know, let's not re- let's not forget that." Even though he was calling for uh, for Ange's head at the time, which is very easily Googleable. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree with that. But um, it's like he forgets that everyone can just look up his old articles and yeah, find I'm, out what he was saying. You know? I'm not sure that Robbie listens to our show. It would be nice if he does. But his article on the weekend saying, "Oh, FA haven't come out to back Arnie," is just a, a very very interesting take mm. that. Um, we talk about the, I guess, you know, we talk about Football Australia really not pulling together the same way a lot mm. and different factions and, and factions and fractions and that kind of thing. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he does because he should play the kids and give them more mm. time in a hostile environment or playing in the Middle East, which we will do for the third place playoff. That's a guarantee. Um, or does he go, right, he parked the bus and hope for a nil all, one all, or something like that, so he gets to go again. I, I, this game should not affect the assessment of his job at all. No, it's, it doesn't matter. So I would, I would prefer him to give minutes to younger players, but I don't know if Football Australia will see it that way from a PR perspective. Well, if you look at Holger, Holger's term as mm. as leading us, he took us to the Asian Cup final, and we qualified for the World Cup. But then we lost 6-0 and 6-0 and then he got the chop, mm. right? So we haven't did, – we didn't do nearly as well in the Asian Cup. We have a PR-conscious yeah, federation we, is what you're saying. Yeah, it's all politicians and stuff. But, like, do you think he'll keep his job after tomorrow regardless of the result? He shouldn't. I, I, I think the ground is being softened for his departure. I do think he's going to go. But the question is who do they bring in to replace him and who wants the gig? He's, he's going to go. Has he got – like he he he's going to go. His record is not strong at international level. Underage sides, the rest of it with Australia. There's, he's got one, two, or three games potentially before the World Cup. Yep. Um, I don't think we will get through to that game three, let alone to the World Cup. Personally, I ho- really hope I'm wrong because there's nothing yeah. better than watching your team at the World Cup. There's nothing better. Exactly. We we want this we team want to be good, happen. That's but why it's that's why it stings. Who wants the job? Who who's going to mm. take the job? Like no no one at Clubland, A League mm. Clubland, will take the job. Like they're talking Popovich and um, Ante Milicic and I'm not sure who else. Korica. Like who's going to who's going to take this role? Why would you give up a, a nice safe weekly club gig mm. for this? This hiding to nothing playoff situation because mm. it is a playoff situation, but we have a history of parachuting in a savior that might get us there. It worked with with uh, Gus Hiddink and it almost worked with Venables and it almost worked with Eltel, right? So, um, do they that's, do it? That's the move. That honestly, that that has to be because the the revenue from for from qualifying for the World Cup is something like seventeen million dollars. Yes. So you you have to attract a foreign coach, a gun for hire. Yeah. With a performance-based bonus in their contract, if they get there, there's a big payout, and that's that's the carrot that you dangle in front of coaches who, mm-hmm. some of whom are egomaniacs and will yes. believe they can do anything. Yeah, there will be somebody out there who has proven international pedigree who you can bring in for these two games and the World Cup if they get if they qualify, and that's that's the last roll of the dice. That's where we're at because there is no compelling local candidate who I think should be given the job, let alone, you know, wanting it based on the situation that we're in. I don't think they will, but 
but I want them to. I mm. want it, it, it is a gamble. We're going to lose mm. more by not qualifying than we'll get from getting close, right? And go, oh, that's okay. You know, we saved some mm. coin because we didn't. We stuck with Arnie. He's got he had the, the Olympic gig and the senior gig. Like it's it's too much for someone that hasn't shown us anything, really. Mm. Like, what's his best result with the national team? Best what? result with the national team. Well, he's taken two Asian cups. He had the golden generation in what we bombed down the quarterfinals in 07, right? Mm. Okay, quarterfinals with that team. And there was all sorts of internal infighting as well. well the, the, he the, fell the, out with everybody. Lost the players. Okay, so 07. So we make – that's our first Asian Cup and he bombs. The next two Asian Cups with sort of the, the, the trail end of the golden generation, we make the final and we win the final. Mm. Then he has it again and we – what did we make? Round of 16? No, it was quarterfinal. Quarterfinal, quarterfinal same Against thing. Against UAE, we bombed out 1-0 – Degenek back pass, crossing to that's right. Apo, so, Yanu and McLaren desperately in the last few minutes. Olympics, two, has he had two Olympics or one Olympics? Not out just, of the, just the one because we – oh, he, did, no, had he had two. He had yeah, Beijing in 2008. Eight, Beijing. We didn't make it out of the group. No. We didn't make it out of the group in Tokyo. Um, to be fair, we haven't qualified for any other Olympic no. tournaments. Okay, but that, so. that's his, that's his, his best. His best result is the win over Argentina in the Olympics. A very poor Argentina side who got a player sent off. Yeah. There you go. So that's that's his best result. Um, mm. And then we've had oh, – and he's 11 in a row. That's going to be his yeah, – leg- that'll be his leg- legacy will be 11 in a row. Because if we don't get, make the World Cup and you've got uh, – that's his track record. And, like, and fair play to Arnie. He's a soccerer and um, mm. legend of the game. Success and it's not CFC an easy gig. Stuff. It's not an easy gig. But we can't keep going like this. We just can't keep going. The fact that we, we went back to him and gave him both roles – astounded me to start off with and invested financially in an incredibly heavy way by all reports he was on big bucks to well, do to do this dual role correct so and so he's been ha- paid handsomely for his services despite all the vitriol he gets yeah and and people talk about oh he's had to quarantine here and there and um you know travel a lot and all with all the covid and the shutdowns and the lockdowns and stuff well then he should be watching video of of where his players and what they're doing for their clubs mm-hmm. and have a plan B. Change the tactics. We can't just bomb the ball long for someone to head it in all the time. Like it's it's frustrating. It's really frustrating. Mm. So I hope they do it. You know, but we, we this is the problem. We can't cheer for us to get flogged tomorrow. That's not in our nature. Mm. We want the kids to do well. I hope he plays the kids and they do well. But yeah, I playoff situation. We've done it twice. We almost did it. Almost made it the first time. We we missed out the second. Well, sorry. We missed out the first time, made it the second time. Everyone remembers the 06, the, start, the golden generation yeah. that started us. Everyone forgets the 32 years in between that of all the heartache. And we're in real danger of having another 30-odd years, yeah. you know, well, except for the size of the World Cup. Yes, team. I mean, that's going to probably be our saving grace, but that's a slight, further slide into mediocrity. And, you know, if it is going to be 48 teams or whatever, um, the, the target has to shift to making it out of a group. Yeah, there, not to just merely qualify. And then how do they how do they manage that? Will they go from forty eight to thirty two? Mm. Uh, there's like a there's way. like so, a second group stage. It's terrible. Yeah. It's a terrible new format. But they're probably going to do it at uh, USA, Canada, Mexico. That crazy uh, multi country yeah. tournament that's planned uh, for twenty twenty six. That'd actually be a great World Cup to go to because you've got the rectangular mm. stadiums already in place um, for those, that North American mm. market anyway. And um, yeah, it would be a pretty good party, but. You don't want to go there to watch a 2-0 loss, 3-0 loss, mm. you know, hoping you out of a group. And we, and the way we're, we're tracking, if we're in groups of three or four at that large World Cup, we're not going to be seated near the top. We're going to, we'll have a, our group of death every single time. So mm. we need to do something. 
Yeah, well, it's pretty. It's pretty, <laughs> it's, it's pretty grim, isn't it? It is grim. I just, it's, you know, like I said, I, I thought it's we hard would, to have any any optimism about the situation. I thought we would get we would lose, and you still feel flat when they lose, and that's always going to happen. And you're going to feel flat when they lose, but you just you know we can't keep going on fighting spirit and backs to the wall and all that kind of mm. rubbish that we get dealt. You know. Yeah, all heart but no soul. This uh, this Socceroos team, I think, mm. all heart no soul, but. Um, I, I think it, it is important to to think about the sort of flow and effects from from the coaching we see week to week in the A League. I don't think there is any any coach in the A League aside from Arthur Pappas who really embraces risk mm-hmm. and and really takes the game on in the in the way that you know. But we've got these sort of two schools of thought. We've got the Arnie school and the Ange school, which is a little bit overblown. And maybe some of Ange's tenure is now romanticized based on what he's gone on to achieve. Yeah. But you look at the way that Arthur Pappas and Ange Acolyte approaches the game and, you know, potentially, um, you know, it was suggested to me on the uh, Asian Champions League preview I did last night for K-League United, our, our friends here at FNR. Uh, Scott McIntyre suggested to me that, that Peter Klamovsky might be a great pl- person to groom for the Socceroos coach in, you know, four years' time. Mm. He's apparently, you know, very, very highly rated by people who've who've spoken to him and worked with him. You know, he, we haven't we haven't seen him up close in, in, in an A League setting or anything. But well, that's the next cycle we would look at. In yeah, four he's probably time. not probably not ready yet. But yeah. you, you probably need an experienced foreign coach to to come in for for this this next and you know immediate cycles. So I don't think anybody who thinks differently, fundamentally differently about the game, and plays fundamentally different football to Graham Arnold, and not just a sort of matter of degrees improvement on a similar frame of reference mm. is ready to take the job. Popovich is the obvious candidate, but he's an incredibly defensive reactive coach as well. Have you seen how victory have been playing lately? One, yeah. one draw after one, one draw. And it's pretty grim viewing as well. Like he, he for me is a more diligent coach in terms of the tactical approach in preparation for the opposition. Yeah. I think he's incredibly good at analyzing the opponent and setting up to counter their strengths, but he's not a proactive manager. Well, he in, in, look, he's great. In, he's been great in the A League, as was Arnie. But he also is quite similar in that he has his players follow him around, right? So mm. he, he's got the respect of his players and, and the players that like him that play have played for the Wanderers for the glory for even followed him to Greece and then back again to victory, right? So Arnie's not reliance, but. Arnie's punt on a Sydney FC player or a Mariner and the rest of it is, you know, we're not stupid. We can see it, right? Mm. So we we need someone that shakes it up, someone that can recognise the footballers that doesn't, you know, that that has that can have that instant spark, I guess, and reaction to try and do it. So. All, all I want is a national team that I'm I'm proud of what they're trying to do. Yeah, that's all I want. I, I just we want to always... be proud of what of the intent. Yep. Even even if it doesn't work. I'd rather I'd rather shoot for the stars and fail than accept you know try and accept the grim reality that we're just not good enough and we can't play fancy football. Yeah, because COVID's made us all stay at home and not kick footies around anymore. <laughs> like you know, that is, it's exactly right. We want, but we were proud like through the well for, for my from my um, supporting through the nineties into the early two thousand when we weren't making World Cups, but we were producing quality players and they were playing good football and there was always a chance that someone's going to score a goal because you've got talented players, you know. No one's walking around the street with a Mitch Duke mm. top on thinking no. that, oh, they're going to pinch one for us, you know. So 
look, there's lots of things to do, lots of things to talk about with that in terms of where we develop the players, you know. But let's see. Let's see how we go tomorrow morning, hey? 5 a.m., you're going to watch it or you uh, have to watch Macedonia? I, I, to be honest, I'm going to be at BT Connor. Yeah. Let's be honest. Like, uh, that's that's going to be more ride fun. Ride that wave, ride that wave. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. If they if they beat Portugal, the roof's going to come off that place. <laughs> the will. I'm, I'm out of the soccer is going on a second screen somewhere, but uh, right. I'll, be, uh, I'll be filming yeah. the crowd in case something good happens Dead rubber. again. Dead rubber. You need to get on, uh, get on Macedonia. <laughs> well, hopefully we have, we have something to be positive about, uh, um, you know, green shoots tomorrow against South Saudi Arabia, even, That's if it, even if we get a couple of new caps, it's always good to get more soccerers. So, you know, Atkinson and, uh, and D'Agostino, let's see if they get, uh, get to play. Well, maybe the, maybe the stadium will be half full next time instead of half empty. That's <laughs> yeah. how we look at it, right? <laughs> we'll go to a break here on the Oz Football Hour. On the other side, Jason's going to tell us all about the Football Writers Festival that he attended uh, and uh, some of the discussion points and panels and people he heard speak arising out of that. And we'll take a look at the A-League weekend fixtures. So stick around. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Unbelievable kick. Oh, yeah. Well, we're trying to uh, relive some old times and uh, get the get the pulse racing lift again. The mood a bit of lift, lift, lifting the mood and uh, talking about the good old days. Uh, you're up in, in Jamboree over the weekend for uh, the Football Writers Festival. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, that event first of all, put on by uh, Fair Play. Fair play publishing, Benita Merciado's uh, crucially involved and uh, lots of uh, dignitaries and uh, big names in Australian football in attendance. It was. So Football Race Festival is the third one. So Jamboree is a, a town on the south coast of uh, New South Wales near Kiama. It, it's in the pub there, which is owned, still owned and run by the Warren family. Uh, Johnny Warren's brother, Ross, and uh, son, Jamie. And there's um, just amazing memorabilia on the walls at that place. Mm. It's really, really good. Um, and the Football Writers Festival, we talk about all parts of Australian football history, or they, everyone. So the James Johnson was there from Football Australia, Danny Townsend from the APL, but then you had the PFA, you had the Football Coaches Association with Gary Cole, you had the AAFC, uh, you have many former Socceroos, former Matildas, former Socceroos coaches. Um, we talked about books, but we talked about other parts of the game and, and maybe the the two major speakers that sort of um, that could come back and save the game maybe Brendan Schwab and Craig Foster both, both spoke there as well which was which is amazing so it was a really fun event really fun event a lot of like-minded people like us talking about the game all different aspects from the cost of playing at grassroots to how do we develop elite talent when they go to Europe and, and back and forth so it, it really is quite good they had enough different functions they had a, a breakfast with Heather Garriott to talk about what the Women's World Cup legacy will leave us photo exhibition, trivia night with the Ladies League girls, which was lots of fun after a few drinks. And, um, yeah, that was that was the weekend. So it was good. So despite the gloom and doom of Thursday night's result, it was actually nice to be, be around a lot of football people and talk uh, a lot of things. Who was the most impressive speaker for you? What were the nuggets of wisdom that you, you took away? What, what really is still sort of resonating with you after, after the weekend? Uh, Fozzie. Mm. Craig Foster is um, – it's a real shame. I would, 
that we've lost him to the game, but it's not a real shame with the advocacy that he's mm. doing for refugees and the like. So he's, he's an amazing And still on Sport FC, of course. Yeah, of so course. So we, we yes. hear his views on Australian football again, which is nice. To have him still tangentially involved, at least. Yeah, Adrian Archuli from SBS was the MC for the whole mm-hmm. event. Obviously, knows him quite well from SBS and introduced him as the Prime Minister of Australian Football. <laughs> Prime Minister of Australian Football. He he was fantastic. Um, some of the other nuggets that we got out of it. Um, Danny Townsend was interesting from APL, and they we discussed how the, the split from Football Australia has gone, and he likened it to uh, a couple. The uncoupling was likened to a couple of divorced parents that are um, dropping the kids off, but hoping not to pass each other in the driveway. Just didn't fill me with too much confidence that's, with the way things are going. That's I think that's revealing a little too much about the uh, the vibe, Danny. I <laughs> know oh, it's um it was interesting, but the one thing that I, that I did. Only from uh, our conversation with the likes of uh, of Daniel Sturridge and Jason Cummings is that the marquee money will come in the next couple of years. They're going to spend big. And on, this is um, digging into the Silver Lake funds. Yeah, it? the Silver Lake funds. He said there'll be some marquee spending to get some players back. Hmm. Interesting wonder whether or not that works or not. One thing actually that, that did, there was a, there's a book called Code Wars that comes out that uh, Dr. Hunter Fujak has put out, which is a really interesting read. He talks about um, rugby union, rugby league, Australian rules and uh, football or soccer and in terms of how it goes in terms of participation, uh, the advertising dollar, TV rights and that kind of thing. And he suggested the most successful Australian football events are the likes of Barcelona or Real Madrid playing a Melbourne victory or a Central Coast Mariners. You mentioned LA Galaxy, the stuff that we kind of laughed at a little bit that that's the one that gets the eyeballs on the TV and the people through to the crowd and that would be the hope to get crossover and that someone's watching the, mm. the international team against the A-League team and that they might go, oh, there's an A-League team and might move some people across that way, which was interesting because it's, I guess, football purists and, and people within the game don't particularly like so much. We, we joked about the half-and-half half scarves of the A-League All-Stars and... You know, to be fair, I was reflecting on that conversation, and and to be fair, I don't mind when there's an A League team as one of the competitors. Yep. I actually, I actually think that's good. Okay. Um, when it's the A League All Stars, yes, and it's supposedly the best of the competition, but they've had no time to train together, and they're actually a rabble. Yeah. I think that's an empty, an empty concept that actually mm-hmm. devalues the league when they end up inevitably not playing as well as a individual club side would. Yep. Um. I I do think it's a bit of a, a bit of a rip off and a money spinner for the for you know like I I wouldn't pay to go yeah. to be honest, um, but if that's what you're interested in you know everyone still goes on and on about you'll never walk alone being sung at the MCG but Liverpool were playing Melbourne Victory that night and yeah, that's correct. what made it interesting there were actually Victory fans there supporting Victory uh, the 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 things that really uh, get my goat, I suppose, as uh, as empty kind of Euro snob events that don't do anything for local football is when two European powers play each other in a game that neither of them care about, and everyone is you know over, is charged through the teeth to attend. Like you know Manchester City and Roma and Real Madrid a few years ago well, here, I'm, where people were throwing paper planes on the pitch because it was so boring. Well, we haven't spoken about the tennis balls that the Rangers fans are throwing, throwing on the pitch at the moment, actually, aren't they? So that, that game yeah. we're talking about. So they've actually just announced this week a couple of uh, extra games, haven't they? I believe. So I think Melbourne Victory are going to be playing mm. some Spanish teams. Uh, I've, I've been not yeah, quite I've, I've also it, heard yeah. on the wind rumours of a, of a Manchester United tour as well. Okay. So. I mean, I don't know if anyone wants to watch United at the moment. But 
you know. They're still, they're still uh, brands. Um, they spoke about the new home of the Matildas that Football Victoria mm-hmm. putting on. So uh, Football Victoria were well represented at, uh, at the festival, which was great. That's a that's a development of what was already the Melbourne City training base. Yeah, Bandura. So yep. it's the old Bandura campus. Melbourne City don't need it anymore because they've moved out to Casey and built mm-hmm. a whole new facility. Yep. So they're just updating and expanding the Bandura Melbourne City campus into I believe so but yeah. I think the more the, the more important part about that discussion was that they got government funding from state and federal sure. government to actually help the development uh, a lot of times football cries foul that the other codes get all the money when it comes to mm. being divvied up um, it's budget night tonight everyone if you are if you're <laughs> listening hopefully football gets a piece of the pie um, some interesting discussions around uh, Lisa Devanna's uh, bullying claims and the culture around the team mm. as well which went through which kind of sort of linked into uh, next year's Football Writers Festival, which will be held uh, in Sydney in the days leading up to the Women's World Cup. And they've already announced a number of um, key journalists in, uh, in the men's and women's game from around the world, from a lot of the UK papers, New York Times, that kind of thing. So it's going to be really worthwhile checking that out if you're up in Sydney for the opening of that tournament anyway. It's going to be held in, uh, I think it's Indigenous Names Tara, excuse my pronunciation, which is Dawes Point around the rocks of Sydney. So it's in a really good spot, Um, July 15 to 17, but something well worth checking out. I'm sure it would have a very, very big uh, women's focus for for that uh, Writers' Festival. Yeah, interesting. Well, um, sounds like a a pretty pretty successful weekend. It was fun. It was wet, (laughs) but it was fun. It was good. And I got to showcase my book. I had a panel which included Gary Mm. Cole, John Cosmina, George Harrison, Rally Razic, hosted by Zappers. So Lucas and I got to promote Be My Guest in our, our book, which was which was fantastic because we didn't do much talking with uh, with, <laughs> with a panel like that. Any any good stories from Gary Cole? There usually is. Uh, yeah, he talks well about Del Piero and uh, Del Piero's own dressing room downstairs and how he <laughs> did that. So he, he invented social distancing <laughs> before it happened. Um, uh, but they said after Del Piero, Sydney FC haven't really got their marquee spot wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, they worked out the first year he was great, second year he was not so great, but since then all of – well, and this season not included this season. Most of their marquees haven't really missed. That's true. That That, that is actually one thing you can mm. say about Sydney FC's period of dominance. Yeah, so, so he was good in talking about that. Cosy was great in talking about Romario and how um, <laughs> he was brilliant at five-a-sides and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> um he said he had said he had a slight injury and wouldn't wouldn't train one night, so he let him go early. And then the next the next day, he saw pictures of him playing head tennis on Glenelg Beach on the front page of the paper. So, um, and interesting that the powers that be said to him, "You have to play Romario. I don't care if we lose." Which, you know, say that to a coach. That's wow. Really, um, an interesting I mean, he was only here for a for a four game guest stint, so yeah. I suppose the the pressure was on. And he was thirty eight, but mm. anyway. That's it. But anyway, which is an interesting chat, but um, would have been great to have Danny Townsend in for that chat after he that morning said well, there's going to be lots of money for Marquis. <laughs> so anyway, shout out well, to Daniel Sturridge if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, somehow I doubt it. No. I think he's uh, – I, I wonder if we'll even see him on the pitch again this season. Probably not. We might not that see just, him the that's unfortunate. That'll go down as a bit of a bust. So mm. well, There was a fair bit of excitement about it when he signed. So he, That was the biggest – uh, press conference I've been in in terms of the Zoom presses, mm. biggest one I've been in all season. That was there was genuine mainstream media interest from that. But the fact that we're signing somebody, uh, you know, washed up, injury prone striker just for name recognition, we might need a new ground zero mm. for the APL. With um, you know, we had we had a, a pretty good launch in um, 
uh, just can't get enough. You know that that uh, ad campaign that came through was really good. There was such a promising yeah. signs from that. We derailed a bit with COVID and the the Paramount situation and the rescheduling of the games and all the rest of it. That if they do come back with some marquees and that might be a good way to sort of just just launch the season. You know, not hopefully sure. see how they go, but just launch it. We'll see. Well, so much for uh, young players being the the face of the A League, huh? Well, yes. Here anyway. come the future. Here comes the future. Here, here come the future. Thirty-eight year olds on million dollar contracts. Well, it depends which what names they've got. I guess that's true. You know, if it's Latan, we might he might still be able to perform, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, if only uh, they could get Marco Tilio off the Melbourne City bench, so he can get in the getting the promotional materials next season. Again. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for that, Jason. We're going to take one final break. Uh, and uh, we'll do a quick roundup of the weekend's A-League action before we get into Radio Dub, which is coming up. Huge A-League women's grand final review with Amy Jackson, Melbourne Victory legend and goal scorer mm-hmm. in the grand final is going to be joining us. And we've got a Matilda squad to break down. So big night here on FNR. Stick around. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter. Costa Barbarousas. Wow. Again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick. Back for the final time this evening on FNI Football Nation Radio. This is the Oz Football Hour. If you've missed any of today's show, it'll be up on the podcast platforms shortly. We uh, talk with Nick Hegarty, uh, the head coach of Hume City, uh, who's working with the Dylan Tombides Foundation this weekend to raise money for... Uh, their player Danny Dixon, who's been diagnosed with t- testicular cancer, and for DT38 for uh, testicular cancer prevention and awareness. So they're going ahead with a charity game this weekend. The FNR is going to be live streaming Sunday at 2 p.m. Uh, but if you're going to get down there to ABD Stadium, eh, the festivities go from uh, 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. There's going to be all sorts of activities and uh, fundraisers and things on uh, on show. So uh, Good time for a free haircut, do you think, Yeah, Josh? good time for a free haircut. And uh, entry is pay as you feel, which is fantastic. Perfect. So uh, good good cause, going to be a good day. And uh, if you can't make it, we'll have the live stream and the, uh, the donation link up. Uh, a-League action on the weekend was sort of a, an afterthought from the Socceroos, but uh, a couple of interesting things to come out of the weekend. Firstly, the Newcastle Jets missing six starters through a COVID outbreak, mm. unable to postpone the game as other teams have been able to this, throughout this season because this is the first team to fall afoul of the deadline yep. by which now if a game is called off, it is a no result. Yeah. Yes, It is zero points for both teams, a loss for both teams. So Newcastle forced to go ahead with basically their reserves and they managed to knock off Sydney FC regardless. 17-year-old Archie Goodwin scores both goals. Unbelievable. There you go. And there's well, there's the youth we're crying out for, isn't it? Yeah. So, Archie. It was Archie. it was what we needed. Honestly, yeah. it was absolutely the tonic Feel that we good. needed the Feel day good. after the Correct. Socceroos disappointment. Yeah. Feel good. Feel good story. And, yeah, at 17-year-old scoring goals in, uh, in our professional football is fantastic. And, again, you know, the backs-to-the-wall story, completely and utterly. The box office Jets do it again in most trying of circumstances. But uh, Arthur Pappas also rolled out a back three in that uh, that game, which I don't know if that's going to be stuck with going forward or whether it was just because of the players he had available and he was trying to get as many senior coaching, players on the path. Coaching to what you have at your disposal. There you, there go. you go. Good example of it, right? Arthur Pappas for the Socceroos. You uh, heard it here first. Uh, Western United beating Brisbane Roar in a, in a 
Very exciting end-to-end match 3-2. But the uh, unfortunately, the free-to-wear game that night was MacArthur nil, Melbourne City 1, uh, which... I don't know if you saw my uh, my tweet, Jason, but uh, my partner who's up in Canberra at the moment, her she's in COVID ISO, she's a yep. bit of a, a close contact scare, and there was only one channel on her TV working, so didn't know what the bells was, were all about. Well, yeah, she was she was bells. stuck watching the A League, which is the only time I've ever been able to convince her to watch the thing on TV ever. <laughs> I mean, I've dragged her along to a couple of games, but she's had no idea even where MacArthur was, okay. let alone that they yeah. had an A-League team. And her first observation was there were five people and ten cowbells. <laughs> so they must have had one in each hand. Uh, yeah, not, not <laughs> inspiring for the TV. So, again, I think when we they relook at maybe another launch of next season with, you know, whatever, that the Saturday night game, you know, as bad as it sounds, it might need always to be Wanderers or Victory or... Um, Adelaide or someone that has a Mariners, mm. someone that has a crowd or is doing well and choose it from there. Nice wedding present for J-Mac. He got a goal. So it would be nice for him on the, oh. the Saturday night. Yeah. I mean, I found this stuff about his lack of commitment to the national team absolutely ridiculous, to be honest. And did, uh, was it good to Leckie to J-Mac? Was that the... Was that the setup for the goal? I didn't it, see it. It was. Yeah. It was Lecky to J Mac, which is a bit ironic. Uh, and we were talking last week about uh, Curtis Good not being allowed to join up with the squad, and it does feel like CFG aren't playing by the same unwritten rules as everybody else. But true as to whether that would have made a difference to the result, I have my doubts. I heard that the first time they put the squad together, that they needed to name just in case they mm. named about sixty or seventy players. I think it was fifty. Is the preliminary squad? No, the one before it. So oh 50, yeah. yeah, the fifty that they named for Thursday. That Good one wasn't on that list. List, mm. But the one before it, they named 60 on them, and, and um, this is the whispers that I heard, and they said, oh, that's a bit ridiculous, isn't it? Okay, we'll just name 50. So if he was on that squad, he would have gone. Anyway, not to worry. Uh, it didn't What's end up. done is done. He wouldn't have played anyway. He might have played against Saudi uh, Arabia, maybe, possibly. Maybe, but I don't possibly. think they wouldn't have picked him Thursday. Definitely not. He was uh, injury cover. Uh, Central Coast Mariners 3, Adelaide United, and Neil. Uh, red card to Joe Gauchi mm-hmm. affected this one, but I've got to say, Irenia was outstanding, mm-hmm. and I, after this match, I'm just on team cap to come dog. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need a Scottish saviour that's going to come yeah. out. He's going to pull, pull Jason Cummings out of the hat for the, the third place playoff. I mean, I he's acclimatised to the, the heat now. I hate to dredge up the Bruno Fornaroli thing, but. Jason Cummings is arguably in better form than he is. In 26. And he might actually have a future with the national team aside from his playoffs. So I'd be I'd be tempted to call him up, you know. I I really would. And well, I, They were struggling for strikers like D'Agostino and Fornaroli. So like, why wouldn't you put him in here? He's literally come here to play for the Socceroos. Mm. That's well, his aim. Anyway. I'm, I'm all in. I'm on board. Good result for Mariners. Yeah, definitely a good result for the Mariners. And uh, lastly, Melbourne Victory won. Western Sydney Wanderers won, ended in controversial fashion uh, with uh, the late penalty. Uh, Tony Popovich thought it was offside before the handball from Hamill. They since released the uh, VAR footage and the review that showed that they did check the offside. So I think it was a direct riposte to what uh, Tony Popovich said in the post-match, which was very interesting uh, that they went to that because it seems to be only the correct decisions that they re- released the VAR <laughs> footage yeah. for. To, but uh, I guess you know it's, it's they're running PR. It's not it's not about you know showing us transparency. Correct. Uh, that's a tough drop in a couple of points there for victory. It's tough given the way the ladder is and. The They've the been doing that for weeks it, now. Yeah, the way They've the lacked decisiveness yep. in front of goal. Marco Rojas is trying to walk the thing in instead of shooting every time. Marjota, albeit playing in teammates and combining really well as a sort of 
forward playmaker, can't hit the side of a barn door. So victory, uh, victory in trouble again. You know, they had that, that hangover after the FA Cup and they've hit a bit of a slump again. Maybe once they get their players back from national team duty, uh, you'll see them putting a few more goals in. But just draw still, after draw after draw. True. Still a ga- few games in hand. The teams ahead of them have played three, two, and four more games. Well, that's all we've got time for tonight. We've got to make way for Radio Dub, so we will do so tomorrow night. There are three A-League games on a Wednesday night. That's the kind of season it is. So uh, Sydney FC uh, in action. They'll take on MacArthur. Uh, Brisbane Roar against Wellington Phoenix, both at 7.05. And then the late kickoff in Perth. Perth Glory taking on the box office Newcastle Jets. I know which one I'll be signing up for. If you can stay up so late. If you've been up early watching the Macedonian That's game, true. see how you go. Mm. Reconsidering my sleep. priorities now. But uh, sleep's the option. <laughs> Jason, <laughs> thank you Josh. as always for your company. It's uh, hopefully hasn't been too miserable for our audience watching along. We've... Uh, you can't really blame us based on what was said. No, up no, last we'll week. see how we go tomorrow. We have a different <laughs> chat again next week. We might be talking about Arnie's dismissal, or we might be talking about Radio Silence if they keep him in the mm. job. Well, that's all from us tonight. We'll sign off. Radio Dub coming up straight after, so don't go anywhere. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind Top or Stanley? It doesn't matter. Costa Barbarousas. Wow. Again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick. Come on here.